moon, buddy? I don't know. I, I don't know why. I can't. I sometimes... It's just one of those days where you, you need an accent to pick yourself up a little bit higher. Be a little random. No? Anyone else uh, busting out into random accents in their in their work days? Just me? Okay. Uh, happy Thursday. I am super excited to share this conversation with you today because we have some experts on the podcast. And yeah, you heard me right. They're experts, plural. We're having a podcast party. Y'all, you are about to listen to my conversation with Callie and Valerie, who run Brazen Coaching. We connected through, I don't even know, random online f- friendpreneuring is a is a verb I just made up. I I've been trying lately to not feel so alone in my one person business that I run from inside my house with just my dogs. And um it's it's nice. It's nice to connect with other people doing their own thing out in the world trying to be happy in their work and you know, make the world a little better place. And it's super fun because I can't even tell you how we became friends, Kelly, Valerie, and I. Um, at this moment, it's maybe because my mind is half British today and that's where we're at, but that's okay. I'm excited because I get to bring their wisdom to you and that's what we're talking about today. So in our conversation, we talk about some really big stuff. We talk about changing your career and figuring out what you want and being happier, kind of big stuff. But I think one thing that they're really good at is smallifying stuff. You know, I'm a fan of smallifying things, making things easy, making things doable. So that's what that's what I hope you take away from this conversation. And I just want to share with you too, we might refer to Hello Glow, and that used to be their name. We recorded this a few months ago. So they're Brazen Coaching now. They used to be Hello Glow. On their homepage, which is brazenwomen.com, their tagline, I'm just obsessed with it, Bold coaching for women business owners who want to live brazenly. And then they have the definition of brazen. Adjective. Bold and without shame. Mm, Throwing confetti for that. How good is that? Callie was a nurse practitioner and she speaks to what it was like to change careers from like more structured, let's say, career. She talks about the change that she decided to make to leave that and start her own business, start working for herself. And Valerie is a mindset coach, and I just love them together. They work really well together. I love that they bring these two focuses together in their coaching because you can't have one without the other, physical and mental wellness, that is. Um, So I've begun singing. This is a good time for me to stop talking probably because we've gone British, we've gone singing. I just hope you love our conversation, and I hope you have a fabulous day. Welcome to the Decision Masters podcast, you guys. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> In the intro, I like briefly gave a rundown of what you guys do. But why don't you tell us in your own words, what are you here in the world to help people with? Who wants to um, go? <laughs> <laughs> That's the hard part about having two people being interviewed. Um, so Hello Glow was created about almost, I think, a year ago. Um, because Callie is a functional wellness coach and I'm a mindset coach. And we just realized really quickly that you need both (laughs) when you, I mean, essentially both equal kind of 
your ideal life. So you can't really work on your mindset if you don't really work on your well-being, but you can't work on your well-being if your mindset is also kind of in a rough space. So we were like, this is perfect. We can work together and and give people tools to kind of accomplish both simultaneously. Yeah. And so one of the things that we're like super passionate about is helping to empower everybody, but like more specifically women, because women have some, you know, unique challenges, just socially, culturally. Um, We really want to empower women to step out of a life that they might be sleepwalking in and start really making intentional decisions and thinking about what they really want in life and figuring out a plan to help get them there from where they are right now. So that's kind of the broad mission of Hello Glow. I love it. And you have such an interesting, powerful take on decisions, which is why I wanted to talk to you because I'm obsessed with you guys and I'm obsessed with decisions. (laughs) So tell us what you, like, you have this idea that your ideal life can start with just making one decision. Like That sounds too easy and too simple. So tell us everything. (laughs) Right? It does. So the whole idea behind just making one decision is that you need to start somewhere and you need to just make that first tiny, tiny little step in order to start getting that forward momentum so that you can spiral up. This whole concept of spiraling up, I first heard it from Rebecca Scritchfield's book, Body Kindness. So I highly Mm. recommend that people read that because it's a really good book as a beginner, kind of like coming back to yourself and wanting to focus on your well-being and your mindset. So the whole concept of spiraling up is like if you just picture a tornado, like a vortex and how it's smaller at the bottom and then it gets bigger as it goes up. So the whole concept of just making one tiny, tiny decision is just to start the momentum like at the bottom of the vortex. And then as you continue that positive feedback loop of like making a decision and having it go well and feeling more confident, then you keep making bigger and bigger decisions And eventually you are feeling really good about how your life is going and where you're at because you started with that one initial decision of like, okay, I'm going to do this for me because I need it and it's good for me and I'm turning over a new leaf. So that's kind of how the whole one decision can change your life thing happens. <laughs> yeah. Valerie, do you need to add stuff? I have so many questions. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I mean, Kelly described it really well, but I think it takes a little bit of the pressure off of big decision making when you're like, okay, this is like a minor thing that I'm making a decision about, but you do get so much confidence because you're like, hey, 
it didn't ruin my life to make this one little decision. And in fact, I feel really motivated now. So I'm going to add another decision. And so you kind of are just like building up that momentum and empowering yourself to get more and more comfortable making decisions so that when you are making a really big decision in your life, you already have that sort of proof behind you that it's not this crazy scary thing and so we just like love the idea of just starting small and building up yeah and I know that like I tend to be the kind of person who overanalyzes things really easily and like gets that analysis paralysis where it's like Mm -hmm. I just make so many lists and plans and think about it so much that it becomes this like huge unmanageable anxiety ridden thing for me. And then I feel too intimidated to like get started on it. So just like what Val said, it like takes the pressure off. So we, we talk people through this whole process of like thinking about what you want your ideal life to look like and just letting your imagination run wild there. And then breaking it into more practical, big goals to help you get there and then shorter term goals and then little micro goals or daily habits. And so the daily habits is where it's the really tiny decisions that you're making on a day-to-day basis. And we recommend people start with a little habit that you can pull off in less than five minutes a day. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of eliminating a lot of those big roadblocks that we have when it's like, you know, you're thinking about this big sort of non-tangible goal. Um, And so when you break it into more practical, super simple daily actions, it makes it a lot easier to get started and actually get to where you want to go. Yes. And so many people who... I speak with, cause I work with overthinkers, the big decisions and the little decisions have like the same stress response. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. big decisions seem scarier and like the high, the stakes are higher. But if you, if we looked at like what happens in your brain and body, when you're, when you're thinking about, well, do I want to go after, after that promotion or do I want to like write my book or what do I like this big decisions? And we compare that with what happens in your brain and body when you get a text message from someone asking you a question and you're like, Ugh, this is going <laughs> to take a day and a half. It's the same. So that's mm-hmm. why I think it's so valid to start with the little decisions and give yourself like start gathering that evidence that I can make a decision in maybe a different way than I have before in maybe a way that feels like slightly selfish or slightly rushed Mm -hmm. because I didn't take two weeks to make it, (laughs) but you can give yourself that evidence that like, oh, I can survive that. And actually look, it worked out well. The world kept turning, I think caught on fire. This is fine. And then prove to yourself, oh, this might actually be okay. I might actually be good at this. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, And I think it's like, there's such a, such a thing with our brain that we're kind of like our own worst enemy when it comes to this kind of stuff, because like our brain doesn't 
necessarily want us to achieve big goals. Like our brain's only purpose is to keep us alive. And what's safe is, you know, what you're doing right now. Like your brain has established that your current living situation is safe enough because it's expected. Mm -hmm. And so that makes it so super easy for us to talk ourselves out of taking action towards those really big things that we want to accomplish in life, where it's going to involve us like taking some risks or, you know, making a big move that there's a lot of uncertainty with. So trying not to overthink is like the biggest challenge because it's really easy to do, but it works against us a lot of times. Yeah. And I think that we can go to e- like either or thinking very mm-hmm. quickly, like all or nothing. Mm-hmm. Like I either have to stay safe here. Usually there's a little bit of settling in mm-hmm. that, right? Where it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Like fine. keep living your safe, boring life. People have it worse. <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't complain. So it's like in our minds, the options we're presented are, okay, we'll just settle for this. Like you should be happy about it. I, I feel like, especially women, we use, we use our good lives against ourselves. It's like, what are you complaining about? Like, yeah. this is good. You should just like deal with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it. Or the other option is like, be this crazy, irresponsible, irrational, abandon all your responsibilities throw your retirement fund out the window person. <laughs> and well, I think that there's a middle ground that we can help people find. So <laughs> definitely what feels like a risk actually just becomes your norm so that you can become a person who's a little more biased towards taking action. When you get that impulse that like, Oh, maybe this is, maybe this was great before. And now maybe I've outgrown it. Maybe I am interested in something else. Maybe I want to, not just settle for the status quo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you mentioned just people's like tolerance of risk too, because I think that we are somewhat programmed to think, okay, you need to be a responsible decision maker, but like that isn't always like what works for everybody in the logical decision and what everyone's kind of feeding to you isn't always what's going to be right for you. And I think that that's really hard to separate, you know, your parents, your spouse, your friends, like what they think is the correct decision and having all those voices can be really difficult. So it is nice to like, think about the fact that everyone has a different taste for risk and everybody might have a different sense of what is a priority. It might not be your 401k. It might be travel, you know? So I think being able to kind of characterize what works for you and not, and kind of tune out all the other voices. And I think that that's such a brilliant point too. And I think this is one of the messages that you guys send to the world, which I so champion is (laughs) your ideal life matters. Like what you think and this idea that you're you're touching on Valerie of what seems responsible and what lines up with other people's desires and expectations is a big make or break i think in people's overall life decisions because mm-hmm. we can default to thinking the worst thing is making this person upset 
or the worst thing yeah. is uh, this person having this opinion of me. When really, I think your argument, correct me if I'm wrong, I think your argument is the worst thing is you sacrificing your ideal life for the sake of somebody else's opinions of you. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, totally. And I think I always just encourage my clients to think about the fact that the people in your life don't have the, the same goal for you that you do. So like your parents might be like, I want you to lead the least risk of you know, heavy life. And all I care about is that you're safe and happy, you know, and, or just primarily safe. And that isn't necessarily what's going to be best for you. And so everyone's goals for you are coming from a different place. And so just kind of keeping in mind what their angle might be, not an angle in a bad way, just angle in a, you know, yes, your parents might not want you to have a crazy life with lots of risk and that's okay, but that's not necessarily your goal. Yeah. I'm looking at you, Callie, like you can see me turning to you. <laughs> internet. You start Just to learn where everybody you... is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just didn't know if you had anything to respond to. I would just echo what Valerie said, you know, just where you need to really prioritize taking quiet time for yourself where you are away from everybody's expectations and requests and demands of you and your time and your attention. And that could be like going out for coffee by yourself and keeping your phone on silent in your purse or something and just sitting there and enjoying your coffee and thinking about things. And it's in those little moments of quiet contemplation, I guess, that mm. our true desires and our those little back burner thoughts kind of come to the forefront when we don't have all these interruptions and distractions and things coming up for us. And so that's really important to clarify, I guess, what you really want, as opposed to what other people want for you. So good. So now I'm super curious, like if we're talking about your ideal life and moving proactively in that direction and starting with one small decision, what stories do you guys want to share? I mean, are there, like, I assume you are speaking from personal experience that you're like, oh, this stuff doesn't happen on your own. You have to pay attention to it. Is there an example that you want to give of just kind of like one decision you gave yourself permission to make that felt like maybe a catalyst to the spiral up? Or was there a series of decisions you saw yourself making that you were like, oh, this is not heading me in any kind of ideal direction? It depends on how far back you want to go, <laughs> but, um, I've always been a people pleaser, a perfectionist, an overthinker playing it safe. It kind of, for me, got to a point where like, I started just having this internal breakdown happening and, you know, I, started having like some of my own little mental health struggles. And that kind of like started my journey through therapy, which has been super helpful in helping me understand and sort of like break down my thought processes and where it comes from. And I 
have kind of been able to work on parsing out, you know, what is somebody else's expectation of me that I'm acting on and what is actually me. And then, you know, if you kind of fast forward to last year, I kind of just had this realization that I wasn't like super happy in my career. I wasn't finding it like really rewarding. Like I had been at first, you know how, when you kind of have been doing what other people want for so long, and then you just have this freak out moment where you're just like, no more. And you just sometimes make like a big decision without thinking about it too much. (laughs) Well, that was me putting in my two weeks notice at my stable clinic-based traditional nurse practitioner job. Wow. So actually it wasn't two weeks notice. I guess it was four weeks notice, but anyway. But the decision Um, in the moment still felt like Yes. Yeah. So it was like, I made the decision and I was like, okay, I'm doing this. No turning. I literally remember you just like in one of our, you know, business meetings being like, so, Hey, um, I might've just quit my job, (laughs) which is like amazing. I, I just like, couldn't be more proud. (laughs) And had you built your way up to that? Like, had you made, had you been practicing without maybe knowing it, like making decisions and taking more risks? That's a good question. I think in other areas of my life, I had been working on prioritizing my own needs, you know, setting up boundaries to kind of like protect my own mental health and my own peace. Mm -hmm. And so I think I would just, there was a part of me that was like, okay, this is the next area. So boom, boundary set, put in my notice. (laughs) So that was kind of like a one decision that set all the rest of this in motion. And there were a lot of internal struggles that I had with it because, you know, with the people pleasing parts of me quitting my job in healthcare in the midst of a pandemic kind of felt a little bit crappy at times. Mm. Like I was just kind of abandoning my post sort of. Um, but then another part of me is like, well, I need to take care of me. There was this back and forth, back and forth. And, you know, then also the parent part of my mind saying, well, what did you spend all of that money going to grad school for? Mm. And it's all just been a waste. And so it's like, the interesting thing is like being able to kind of be a third person observer to all of these internal thoughts and dialogues going on. And then being able to kind of talk to myself the way that I would talk to a friend, you know, like if I were to share all of my inner thoughts with Valerie, what would she be saying to me? Somebody who really cares about me as a person would be encouraging me to do what feels right for me and how I feel I can make the biggest contribution in the world. And so through the last six, seven months, I've really come to like this realization of, oh my God, I stayed in that job for so much longer than I should have. And making that decision 
is scary in the moment. And it can be really scary afterwards to realize like, oh my God, what did I just do? And then have all those internal judgments from like our past lives come in at us. But I guess my takeaway suggestion to people who are ready to kind of make a big step is just take time to think about how you're thinking and then talk to yourself the way a friend would talk to you. Like imagine that all of your thoughts are your friend telling you what they're thinking and then respond back to that because that is you taking the most compassionate approach to your own inner struggles, Mm. which we struggle to do so much. Like we're all so self-critical and self-judgmental at times And and not everything needs to go like the way that it should go. Like I'm really, I'm glad that I left my traditional nurse practitioner role and I'm working in a non-traditional kind of a setting because I feel like I'm able to be more creative and make a bigger impact on people doing something that I really like doing. Like I like my entire job and not just a part of it. Mm. <laughs> so it's like, you know, oh gosh, don't wait, be afraid to listen to that. So many people <laughs> tell me like, I do like some of my job and it's like, okay, yes. just noting you yeah. like 9% of your job. And that makes you like, like 12% of your life. It's possible <laughs> to raise those numbers. Yes. <laughs> yes, definitely. I mean, like find what you really like doing and what lights you up and gets you feeling so excited about what it is you're contributing to the world. And then just like follow that, even if it breaks the mold and looks really weird to the outside world, like you're just kind of essentially like creating your own weird, random job with all of these little side hustles or whatever, just like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. People, you you think that people are thinking about you way more than they are. They're all just wrapped up in their own lives. So don't worry about what other people think. (laughs) And also you can find the world in which it's not weird, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, it's only weird given the context that you are like used to referencing. So exactly. That's why it's so important to find like community and put yourself in rooms, virtual or literal, (laughs) physical, (laughs) where you're not crazy. You're not abnormal. You're not out of the box. You are just making up your own life in the way that everybody else is. And everyone is like all for that. Mm -hmm. And I also love what you, I want to, I want to hear Valerie's answer too, but I also wanted to respond to this idea that you were talking about it was scary in the moment to make this decision. It was even scary afterwards because you were like, here are all of my thoughts about what's happening. <laughs> yeah, And I just think that's so helpful to normalize. Like this is how this process can go. And I think that something that at least overthinkers get in their own way with is we kind of stop playing the movie at the scariest part. It's like, mm-hmm. we think about the consequences of like, I'm going to leave my job and then what that's going to mean is like, I'm abandoning my post. I'm throwing my education out the window. I've wasted like all of my life and money and my parents are going to be disappointed forever. And I'm not going to even know what I'm going to do next and how am I going to support my family? And then they like stop playing the movie and walk out of the room. And it's like, yeah, that, that movie was terrible. But if we look at what is actually going to happen, your life keeps going. 
Mm-hmm. And the movie keeps playing. And like, you're still standing. You're here. You survived. You made it. You're figuring it out. Yeah. So I think that that's just so helpful too, to help people respond to their own fears compassionately because you can validate how scary something is. And at the same time, you can root into how resilient and resourceful you know yourself to be because there's no way you're going to fail at everything and then just like sit down. Right. Exactly. Done forever. (laughs) Yeah. That makes me think of making a scary decision never killed anyone at like you're saying, I mean, (laughs) you, you keep living and who says that just because you, I don't know, let's say just because you went to law school and became a lawyer, who says that you need to stay a lawyer for like until the end of time, just because I went to school for nursing and then went to school to become a nurse practitioner does not dictate the fact that I need to continue working in a traditional setting until I retire. Like no matter what I do or where I go, I'm taking all of that life experience and knowledge and skills with me, create your own job description. Like, I don't know, just think outside the box and get crazy because this is your life. And if you hate what you're doing, that's no way to live. Life's too short for that. Mm. Yeah. I always tell people that you can create the game too. And I think you both are referencing that if you don't like being a nurse practitioner in a traditional setting, you can like create, you know, a coaching business or you can kind of change the, the game a little bit for yourself. And so there isn't some prescribed path for every single person. So like go crazy, create something. No. And I think that the fact that you keep referencing this word traditional is really mm-hmm. important be- just because it's traditional doesn't mean mm-hmm. it's correct or better. It is interesting to think about like, what are you doing because it feels traditional or safe or normal? And you're like, let's throw a firecracker in a box with all of those words and like, and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> Mallory, do you want to say anything about either any decision you made to like kickstart the spiral or any decisions that you were noticing that you were making that were like not contributing to an ideal trajectory (laughs) Um, either way? Yeah, I can quickly talk just how I got into coaching. Um, I made a pretty snap decision to just sign up for a program out of London. It was done remotely. So I was not in London, unfortunately, but um, it was, I think, a couple months into the pandemic. I was like, I feel like I'm really drawn to this. I feel like this is the time right now. Everybody's rethinking their lives and, you know, everything's kind of being shaken up. So I signed up for a program. It was a six month program of coaching and they encouraged us right away to like start coaching, just get into it, offer it for free, but just like start coaching everybody. And that built and built and built. It became this sort of seamless thing. When I look back, I'm like, oh my gosh, in a, I think two years now I've come so far. And I think it's important to do that little check-in with yourself because you don't see the spiral up when it's happening. And so I literally try to set a reminder every couple months to kind of check in and be like, okay, this time last year or this time two years ago, this is where I was at. And it's amazing to say, oh my gosh, I've traveled this far And it almost seems like 
you don't even feel the huge change until you kind of look back. And so it's like, oh, I'm so comfortable. I never thought I'd be comfortable doing a podcast, but I love doing podcasting. And, you know, you just can go back and say, wow, I made this decision and this is where I am today. Oh my God, I'm obsessed with that. What I love that what that you're saying or that you're sharing is as you're doing it, if it's just the one next decision you're making, mm-hmm. then it's like, great. And the stakes aren't as high as they could be. And you're totally on your own team in that moment. And it's so fun because in hindsight, you can look back and be like, oh my, that was like, awesome. <laughs> that was a big decision. Like, I can't believe I wasn't more scared at the time. <laughs> Right? No, but as you were saying that, I was like, yeah, I mean, I can't believe I just like started coaching people, but you just do it and you're, you know, kind of caught up in the momentum. So you don't feel so Mm. scared. You have all that adrenaline, you have all that stuff, you know, kind of coursing through your body. And so you're like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And then all of a sudden you're there. And I think that speaks to how not in your head you are in Mm -hmm. those moments, which is great news Mm. because you're not making mountains out of tiny little molehills or even if they are mountains you're not magnifying them Mm. and you're just like yeah this is where I'm at and this is a decision I'm gonna make and I love the picture you're painting of like yeah that stuff adds up to an entire career change or an entire business you built so don't knock the one decision at a time folks yeah It's kind of interesting because my example is making one big decision and it's like, okay, in four weeks, I'm done with my job and I need to figure something else out. Whereas Valerie's is more gradual. It's just slowly building on itself and it doesn't have to be this massive, you know, one day I'm working in a nurse practitioner job like that's traditional. And then the next day I'm not, it can be a gradual buildup. Yeah. No wrong way. I know that like, I used to always do that overthinkers thing of like, well, what if this happens and Mm -hmm. I need to come up with a contingency plan? And what if this happens? And what if that happens? And then you just talk yourself out of it because you're like, there's no possible way that this is going to work out. But what if it does work out? Yeah. We only think of the negatives when we're going into that like mental spiral, but just stop that train and be like, what if it does work out? What if all the best stuff happens? Like we need to start moving in that direction too. And what if like stuff happens that I can't foresee or control, but I'm also fine with it. What if I make what seems like a really high stakes decision, but it's based on what I want Mm -hmm. so that even if there are things I need to figure out afterwards, I'm not mad at myself because I made a decision based on what I wanted. I feel like it comes back to the compassion and the relationship with yourself that we started with. If you really get good at being on your own team, then yeah, if you make a decision based on what you want, which I know is a radical idea, yeah, (laughs) right? (laughs) But if you're not happy and you make a decision based on that so that you can be happier, when you have stuff to inevitably figure out, as long as you're on your own team, it's like, great. We don't need to like go back in time and judge that decision and spend the next 20 years regretting and beating ourselves up. The key is like, you need to be on your own team and be like, yeah, "Yeah, we're going to figure this out. Have compassion for yourself and give yourself some grace. Cause it's like, not everything you're going to try is going to work out, but 
bad outcomes are not the end of the world. You can always try something else and it's all just a learning experience because nobody's got this life figured out. Right. We're all just winging it. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I really, <laughs> I really like the idea. I honestly don't know where I heard it, but that you have three options from every place that you're at, a minimum of three options. Yeah. I feel like it feels sometimes like you're just at the end, like you made that decision. It was a dead end and like there's nowhere to go. But honestly, there's always a place to go from there. And just knowing that you're going going to always have options no matter where you end up, I think can be really a huge relief <laughs> when you're making mm. decisions. It's yeah. one of the principles of simple decision making. Yes. I can't remember what episode it is, but it was in the early episodes, maybe four. But <laughs> the L in simple stands yeah. for lots of options. You get to see like, oh, I do have lots of agency. I am empowered. I get to like, mm. I get to choose that. whatever I want here. So I want to ask you my three interviewee questions. What advice do you have for people who are thinking coaching can help me? I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. For a lot of people, it might just be one of those things you need to get out of your head and just make the decision. Do one coaching session and see what it does for you. Mm. You don't even have to commit to doing like a six week program or an eight session program or a six month program. Like just do one and don't overthink it. Just sign up, make that one commitment and then make a decision after that. Like either you continue or you don't. Make it easy for yourself. Oh, I love that. Make it easy. Also talking with a bunch of different coaches. I mean, I personally think everybody, like a therapist, everyone can use a coach. Um, we all have limiting beliefs. We all have, all have obstacles and things that we struggle with. But I think the key is finding someone that re you really resonate with and that you have a connection and some chemistry with because it will be life-changing. I think it can be super intimidating booking a call with a stranger mm -hmm. because you can be afraid I'm going to get sold to, or they're going to be mad if I don't hire them. But really, if you, if you let yourself be in the driver's seat, I think about it. Like my husband was just car shopping last month. And it's like, if you think about it, like I'm just going in for a test drive. I don't owe these people anything. Mm -hmm. They're offering me test drives. So I'm literally just here to test the coach now, test, mm -hmm. test, test our vibes out, see what there is here. And I can totally leave and not buy a car if I want to. I feel like that's a really relaxed energy to it. And if you can trust that you can survive that, like maybe awkward initial moment, then it can be fun and be like, oh yeah, test driving cars can be fun. If you're yeah. not in your head the whole time about like, is this person going to be mad at me if I don't buy the car? Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right, y'all. What kind of decision makers do you consider yourselves to be right now in this moment? I would say I feel like I'm an independent decision maker. I don't like to Ooh. talk to a lot of people <laughs> before I'm, no, I don't want to scare Callie since we are business partners, but when it, when it affects me individually, <laughs> yeah. um, I don't like to get a lot of feedback from people um, until I'm kind of in a position where I've made the decision and I might need to consult my husband or make sure he's on board. But other than that, I don't like to have a huge amount of people involved. That's what so many people pay me for to feel like yeah. that. <laughs> like maybe it's because I'm a mindset coach, but involved yeah. <laughs> in my decisions. I love yeah. that. Okay, independent. So good. Callie. Close everything. Funny story. 
is when we were talking about this before started recording, I was like, okay, so I have a question. Oh yeah. What are <laughs> the options like <laughs> of what kind of a decision maker you are? <laughs> and it turns out I might need to know all the options <laughs> to a decision before I make it, which it was like a really funny way of me observing how I make decisions <laughs> and deciding to answer this question. I'm a little bit of the opposite from Val. I am the kind of person who I need to like talk things out in order to fully process all of my options and whatever. So I like to bring other people into it. Like people who I know aren't going to try to sway me in one direction or the other. Like my husband is often my own sounding board. And so I will always preface conversations now with, okay, I just need you to listen. I don't need mm. you to help me. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell him like, okay, I just need to talk this out. Just let me, let me get it all out. And then if you have any wise words to share with me afterwards, let me hear them. But then I'll like, just talk it out. And a lot of times I kind of come to my own decision in the process of doing that. So I like to examine all the options, I guess, is my long-winded answer to that question. I love it. I love it. <laughs> you know your truth. And is there a self-honoring decision that you have made in the past week-ish that you would love to share with us? My recent self-honoring decision that I am still so flipping excited about is I decided... Like two weeks ago, I went to have like a week long solo vacation by myself, away from my kids, away from my house, away from my husband. (laughs) And oh my God, that was, it was possibly the best week of my life. Like obviously no offense to my husband or my kids or my house, but having all of that, like peace and quiet and like days on end where I was responsible for nobody, but myself, like, Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. This is something that I struggled with a lot, like actually getting myself to Maine to like have this little solo vacation, but something that my therapist really, really encouraged me to do was like take equal time off as my husband. Cause he is really passionate about, um, you know, going on like some hunting trips and stuff in the fall. And he's going to be gone for a week on his trip and then a bunch of weekends. And so my therapist is like, so don't feel bad about taking a week and then a bunch of weekends. And I was like, why has this never occurred to me before? Like what? So ladies take equal time off as your husband, because let me tell you, I came home. My kids were so excited to see me. They threw me a welcome home party. My my husband (laughs) was like, Oh, I missed you so much. And so affectionate. And like, he missed me and it I cannot say enough good things about doing this. And it like renewed my mindset. I came back and I was like excited to be home. And I was like, all right, let's do this whole rest of the year thing. So yes, 
I took a solo vacation and it was the best decision I've ever made. Great answer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That is also my answer, but uh, slightly different. I don't have kids. So mostly I just am taking time off next week with no plans ever. All the time off that I've taken has been related to weddings or, you know, other sort of events. And this is the first time I have nothing planned and I don't feel guilty about it. Usually when people are like, what are you doing? Or where are you going? I'm like, oh, I feel like I should be going somewhere or doing something, but this is just a mellow <laughs> rejuvenation vacation for me. So. Ooh, I like that. Rejuvenation vacation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so good. I think the whole takeaway from our conversation is this giant message of like, put yourself on the top of your list, make decisions based on what you want. And uh, let that translate to everything, like what job you choose to do, how you choose to take your time off. It's so powerful. Oh my gosh. Okay. (laughs) It's going to all be linked in the show notes of the book you reference your guys's website, but tell everyone where you want them to follow you, how to get in touch, tell us everything. If you want to stay up to date on all things Hello Glow and Valerie and Callie, I would suggest going to our podcast, which is the Brazen Podcast, and it's everywhere that you like to listen. We do a lot of like free giveaways on there. That's just a really good place to start if you want to learn more about us. Funsies! We'll link it in the show notes. You guys, thank you for your time. Thank you for being thank here. Thank you. you for sharing your wisdom and your confetti-worthy amazingness. <laughs> it's so fun. So thank well, you. Well, thank you so much for thank having you. us. We have yeah. loved this conversation. Hey there, if you love this episode, we might get along. Here's how we can hang out more. First, you can head to kirstenparker.com forward slash quiz and take the momentum quiz. (gasps) What's that? It's a quiz that will give you an instant actionable game plan to kickstart your momentum and reveal your number one momentum killer, which nobody likes. We don't want that. We don't need that anymore. And you are invited to check out the Decision Masters membership where you get one-on-one support, group support, an entire course, workshop, shops, all focused on changing the habits that make you overthink, mistrust your decisions, not know what you want, all the things that stress us out. So if you are ready to make every decision easier and trust your choices and make them with confidence a heck of a lot faster, go to kirstenparker.com forward slash DMP decision masters program. You can book a free hour. You and I can talk one-on-one and we'll figure it out. Can't wait to see you soon.